Thank you, New Hope Band. Did not our children do a wonderful job? They did awesome. Let's give them a round of applause. God bless them, and God love them, and God protect them. Good morning, everyone. As our, our classes are leaving, um, there are a lot of times uh, in the Bible where you find different themes or different topics, if you will, all throughout the Bible. Uh, a lot of times these topics are mentioned more than once through the pages of the Bible, and that kind of signifies that they're pretty important. For example, you know, if the Bible repeats something, maybe it mean, means we ought pay attention to it. If the Bible repeats something, it may just be God trying to communicate something rather important to us. So we got to pick up on these things. Now, all my life, listening to, to Pastor Joe preach, he has a saying that he said many, many times throughout the years. I'm sure many of you heard this, but it kind of goes something like this. He, he says, a, a pastor should always have his finger on the pulse of the church. You ever heard Pastor Joe say that? M many, many times if you come here for any amount of time, you've heard Pastor Joe say that. A pastor should have his finger on the pulse of the church, and there's a lot of truth to that statement. A good pastor should have his finger on the pulse of the church, and what that means is he should always constantly be on the lookout for isms and schisms and divisions within the church. And I haven't been doing this nearly as long as he has, but it does not take long. It doesn't matter if you have a church full of 10 people. There's going to be isms and schisms and, and fighting and, and someone unhappy and someone offended. There's going to be issues. In a church, if you have five people, there's going to be issues. Wherever there's people, there's some problems. So, as one of the pastors here at New Hope, I want to make sure that this theme that we find in the Bible that I'm going to preach about this morning isn't happening to us here at New Hope Church this morning. I'm going to attempt to try to read the pulse of New Hope Church this morning. Now, there's really no question that we're in the last days. Amen? I don't think hardly anyone Anyone that really knows the word at all, anyone that's a true, biblical, born-again Christian would really argue against that. We are in the last days. If you spent much time at all in the New Testament, you will see that the New Testament authors, all of them write as though the return of Jesus is imminent. It is an imminent thing, meaning it's going to happen. It is about to take place. You will see that all through the New Testament. The authors write as though this return of Jesus Christ is imminent. It's going to happen. It is a matter of when. Not if, but when it will happen. You'll see that all throughout the New Testament. They, they write of the, of the imminent return of Christ. And when they wrote it back then... It's even more true now that centuries have passed. This, this rapture event, this return of Jesus Christ coming back to take his church, to take his bride. It is imminent. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. They wrote about it back then, and it's even more true now that centuries have passed. Since the authors of the New Testament 
wrote, and, and all those centuries have passed, we have seen many, many signs of the times take place. Amen? Signs and things that they have hinted to us. Signs that, that the Bible hints to us. We have seen them come to pass. And in the last few years, we could probably, all of us, unanimously agree that we've seen these signs happen in more rapid succession. Amen? More and more. Every day you get up, you turn on the news, you will see more of these signs that the Bible tells us about in the last days. We've seen all the wars, the rumors of wars, the false Christs, the, the famines, the pestilences, the earthquakes in diverse places. We've seen all that. Matter of fact, if you turn on the news and you see th some of these things, it used to raise your eyebrows back in the day, but anymore. It's just so commonplace that these things are taking place that it's almost become no big deal. We see these things ever happening every day. So we're seeing these events happen in more and more rapid succession anymore. And the Bible tells us about these things. Now, I know that we have uh, uh, a lot of revelation buffs here and a lot of uh, end times folks here in New Hope, you know, that, that love to study and, and seek all these end times events and and we can all argue if there are more signs that need to happen before the Lord comes back we can all argue the 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 things in Revelation you know that's a it's a tough book to have figured out we can all argue all these things from Matthew 24 we can all argue the the things in first Thessalonians and second Thessalonians this and that but I know that I know that I know that us Christian folks would agree we are in the last days amen we're in the last days now, before I get started preaching, I'm not really looking to preach on the end times per se this morning, but rather what comes with the end times. Maybe even what precedes these latter days or these end times that the Bible talks about. I, I want to focus on what comes with that. What comes right along with that this morning is, is the theme that I, I opened with this morning that we do find in several places in the Bible. Now, we're going to start out in 1 Thessalonians. Remember, we got to check our pulse this morning, right? To see if it's good and strong and right and if we're, we're, we're standing in the will of God. We're going to start in 1 Thessalonians. Well, 1 Thessalonians you know, you, is, is a letter written from the Apostle Paul. They call them epistles, right? Most of us know that. He, he writes this epistle to these Christians, to the church in Thessalonica. Okay, and, and we have to remember that the New Testament church is kind of new. You have lots of new converts, lots of new people, lots of Jews and Greeks are now going to church together that have never really went to church together. So this, a lot of this doctrine is new, and the Apostle Paul would write these letters and send them to these churches to help instruct them and, and teach them Christian doctrine. So he's going to write this letter called 1 Thessalonians to these Christian people, to this church in Thessalonica. Okay, and that, that's what 1 Thessalonians is. And in this, this epistle, he's going to explain to them this rapture event. Okay, maybe one of the, the clearest definitions in the Bible of the rapture. Okay, so remember that he's writing to this New Testament church. A lot of this is new doctrine to them, and they're going to receive this letter and they read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. It says this. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the crowds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Brothers and sisters, this is imminent. This is going to happen. It is not a matter of if it's going to happen. It is a matter of when it's going to happen. There, there will be, the Bible describes there's going to be this, this shout that the Lord himself was going to descend from heaven with a shout. And I get a strange feeling that when the Lord descends and he shouts, the entire world is going to hear it. Everyone's going to hear it. And then after that, there's going to be this tremendous voice of the archangel, the Bible says. Then after that, there's going to be this trump of God. Now, that does not mean President Trump. It means trumpet. There's going to be some sort of trumpet blast that the whole world is going to hear. How many of you are ready to hear that trumpet blast? Dear Lord in heaven, I am ready to hear this. Now, now, I don't know how all these things work, but the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, their spirits are already up in heaven, but their, their bodies are going to bust up out of their graves and, and somehow meet together with their spirit. They're going to have these glorified bodies. And then those of us which remain are going to be caught up with those people in the clouds. And the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Whew. I wish it was sooner rather than later. Brothers and sisters, I'm ready now, today, this moment. I am good with it, Lord. You, are, you can do what you please, Lord, but I'm letting you know I'm ready now. Now, I love my wife. I love my family. I love my church family. I love ministering the word, but I am itching to hear the trumpet blast, brothers and sisters. I want to hear that trumpet blast. I want to hear the voice of the archangel. I want to look up and see the Lord just coming down from the clouds, descending in his glory. Why? Because I don't like it that much down here, to be truthful with you. I don't like it that much down here. Don't get me wrong. I don't have a bad attitude. I don't have a death wish. I have just honestly, after years of thinking through these things and reading my Bible, I have come to the conclusion, this world cannot give me what I'm looking for. It cannot. It cannot give me what I'm looking for. You ever heard of the phrase or the, the saying or the word, Maranatha? Come, Lord Jesus, come. I say Maranatha this morning. I'm ready. Come quickly. But these things are not up to me. They're up to him. The, the when is up to him. So the Apostle Paul writes about this rapture event to these Christian people in Thessalonica. Okay, now remember, communication back then isn't like what it is now. I know now if I wanted to send you a, a, a picture of a page in my Bible, I have this little app that will take the picture and immediately email it to who I want it to go to. Immediately. And then that person would have the entire page of my Bible or a, a, cop, a copy of my notes. Whatever it is. That's how quickly things can happen now. But we got to think in the mode of, of centuries and centuries ago. Before printing presses. Before cell phones. Before texting. Before all that stuff. The, the, these communications were very precious back then. They had to write on, on papyrus, and it took very long times. And, and there was no printing presses to make copies and distribute them everywhere. So when they got these letters, they were very precious to the early developing church. And they would receive these letters, and they would read them to the church, and they would hang on every single syllable. They would read them to the church. They would study it. They would go over every word. They would memorize most of it, even. 
And, and they come to this part that, that we just read moments ago in 1 Thessalonians 4. And they, they come to this part about the rapture. Now remember, lots of this was, was new information. Lots of new converts. Uh, uh, this was a newer church even. And this is new information coming to them. And they come to this part about the rapture. And they read this part that we just read. You know, talking about the, the dead in Christ shall rise first and, and meet the Lord in the air. Then those of us which are alive and remain will, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. And they're reading on this and they, they begin to get confused. And what do these things mean? Jesus is coming back to get us. And man, it sounds like he's getting ready to come back now. So what happened was these, some of the Thessalonians said, you know, the, then why should we go on trying to make a living? Why keep on grinding if Jesus is getting ready to come and take us away? So some of them quit. They quit doing everything. They quit living and they were just kind of like, Hey, he's coming back. He's getting ready to take us. So I'm, I'm not going to go grinding and doing this goofy job that I got to do that makes my back sore, makes my bones ache. I'm done because, man, I'm waiting on Jesus to come back. Their faith was just kind of a little bit misplaced. There was some confusion. And they're going back and forth about this thing called the rapture. So the Apostle Paul has to write a second letter to them. If you flip through the pages of your Bible, you'll notice there's a 1 Thessalonians and there's a 2 Thessalonians. It is a follow-up letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the same exact people to try and clarify. Because Apostle Paul got the news back that, man, there's people quitting work and, and they're all just sitting around waiting for Jesus to come take them away. So he writes this second letter to them to try and help clarify things, to clear up and to maybe even further explain a little bit more. So now we're going to read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And here, we're going to get to the theme that I started out with that precedes this rapture event. I find this stuff so interesting. I love this stuff. I love my Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Remember now, he's clarifying. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ... And by our gathering together unto him. So he's saying, we beseech you, brethren, about this rapture event that I wrote to you. Verse 2 says, that ye be not so soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Look at verse 3. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So these Thessalonians, these, these, these Christians in Thessalonica are so worked up over the rapture, but the Apostle tells them, he says, hey, wait a minute, don't get so worked up. Let me expound a little bit more to you and help to clear this up. Apostle Paul tells them that all of this stuff will be preceded by a falling away first. There will be a falling away. That word falling away in the Greek, they, they wrote the word apostasia. It is where we get the English word apostasy, apostate. The Apostle Paul warns, before these events happen, before this rapture happen, many people will turn apostate, is what he says. Many people, that, that word apostasia, that Greek word, it means standing away or departure from. The Apostle Paul says, don't get so worked up. Let me clarify this rapture event. Before it happens, there will be a great apostasy that takes place. Many people in church will walk away from Christ and they will stand afar off. 
They, they will be here in church with their Bibles, praising the Lord. But when the end times come, they will say, I am not doing this anymore. And they will stand afar off. And they'll be done with it. Many people will step away. They will turn in their spiritual armor. They will lay down their spiritual weapons. They will no longer fight the good fight of faith. They will no longer share in the vision of the New Testament church. They will divorce their church family. And they'll walk away. And the Apostle Paul says, you'll see these things happen in the latter days. There will be an apostasia, a departure from the faith. People will leave. They will, they will walk away from it all. They will stand afar off. Brothers and sisters, one of the scariest things, maybe the scariest thing that can happen to a believer is for them to turn apostate, to turn cold, to depart from the faith, to leave, to walk away. It, it's terrible because when that happens to a person, it not only hardens them, it not only harms that individual, but it harms people around that individual. You understand some of your decisions, some of my decisions, some of the bad decisions that we make can harm others, not just ourselves. The, or the focus on our society is always on self, self, self. But if we would look at some of the decisions we make, they impact other people. So many people can't see that. When people depart from the faith, it harms families. It harms marriages, it harms children, it harms churches, it harms neighborhoods, it harms relationships, it harms relatives. It has a tremendous fallout effect. When men and women walk away from the Lord, it harms our community. It is bad for our community when people say, I'm done with it. I no longer believe I'm turning in my weapons. You can have them back. It is bad for our nation when we have men and women that walk away from the Lord, it is bad for the whole nation. When churches grow cold, it's bad. When pastors grow cold, it does not have good results. There's a tremendous negative ripple effect that takes place when people's hearts grow cold and they walk away. When people walk away, they walk away from the Lord. You know, there are tremendous warnings in the Bible for people that turn away. Tremendous. The Bible actually even says that it would be better if you would have never known. Figure that one out for yourselves. It's scary. I saw a person not that long ago that turned away from God. I, I kid you not. I say this as serious as I can. And I'm not trying just to make this up to fit my sermon this morning. But I saw this person and their face was consumed with bitterness. It was consumed with hardness. I, I, I tell you, I'm not even that sensitive of a person. I'm not. I, I can be in situations and be completely insensitive and not even recognize certain things. But I saw this person that once was tremendous in, in God, in the things of God, and turned away, walked away from it all, and I saw just bitterness on their face. Not like they were bitter, but that their entire existence was bitter. It was written all over their face, written on their countenance. You ever seen someone like that, where it's just written into their fabric of their being? 
almost like this person hated everything in the world. You've seen someone like that, haven't you? We, we all know someone that's turned away. and They become worse. The, the latter state for them is worse than it was in the beginning. It's scary to walk away, brothers and sisters. It's scary to look on these words of life and the, the path of righteousness and the way to God to know it, to embrace it, and then to push it away and say, no, I don't want that anymore. But people do it all the time. All the time. Th this isn't that big of a ministry. It's not. I know it seemed like there are a lot of people in here this morning, but there are some churches that are 10,000 strong. But just this smaller ministry, th there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have come through this ministry and they've grown cold. And we haven't seen them in years. And it's scary. It's scary. It is very scary. The world will become so dark and so deceitful that many people will quit. They'll quit. They'll stop serving the Lord. So much so that the Apostle Paul says it will lead to the revelation of the man of sin. That, that's how dark and this, this great apostasy, all these people turning away from God and walking away from the narrow way and going over to the broad path, it will pave the way for the son of perdition, this, this antichrist. The world, when this apostasy happens and people shoving their Bibles, laying down their weapons, it will mean that that is the exact time when the world is ripe for this man of sin, this son of perdition to come onto the scene and deceive many. He's going to deceive all the apostates. He's going to deceive all the unbelievers, all the unsaved masses. The world will be ripe for him to come on the scene. And I wonder this morning if any of this will happen to us here in this ministry. Put your finger on that pole. How many of us in here will quit? How many of us in here will tell the Lord, leave me alone. I'm done with you. I've had enough. I've fought so many battles, Lord. And all I see is this evil world going darker and darker. I'm done with it all. How, how many is it going to happen to here in this room this morning? Evil wins all the time, Lord, and I can't see your hand at work. Lord, I've prayed and I don't see my prayers being answered. I'm out, Lord. I'm out. I'm done with it all. I'm tired of fighting. I'm joining up with the winning team, Lord. Evil's taken over. I'm done. How many of us in here this morning are, are even contemplating being done with it all? Laying down your weapons and your armor. How many of us in here are letting our hearts grow cold? Grow cold to the things of God. Losing your zeal and your passion for the sacred text. You're cold to it doesn't mean anything anymore just pages just writings in a book it's scary when the Lord Jesus just becomes another face in the crowd it's scary this falling away will precede the rapture imagine that if you you came and you're a born-again Christian you're serving and loving the Lord and and then you get you see this darkness overcoming the world and you see you can't see God's hand at work anymore. The scripture stops speaking to you and you quit. And then the rapture comes. You, you hear that trumpet blast. 
I imagine the dread that people will feel when, when they see these things come to pass. It, it is the worst mistake that a person can make is to quit. Is to turn in their armors, turn in their weapons. It's the worst thing a person can do. The worst thing that can happen to an individual is them walking away and standing afar off. I'm done. Now you might say, brother, you can't take one passage of Scripture and build an entire doctrine out of it. To you, I would say, you're right. That's why I said this is a theme found throughout the Bible. Christ tells us the same exact thing in different words in the Olivet Discourse found in Matthew chapter 24. I know some of you end times buffed. Probably one of your favorite chapters in the Bible is Matthew chapter 24. Start reading in verse 8. Now this is talking in the context of the last days. His disciples come to him and they're on the Mount of Olives and they say, tell us when will these things be? What will be the signs of the end of the age, end of the world? Jesus says to them, and we're going to skip some just for the sake of time. In verse 8 he says, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Look at verse 9. And and listen, pay attention to wording. Wording in the Bible is important. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and ye shall be hated of all nations for my sake. Anyone see that going on? Hatred towards Christianity, towards Jesus. Verse 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. These are the words of Jesus Christ. You see, he's really saying the same thing the Apostle Paul said, just in greater detail. Jesus tells us, in the last days, many shall be offended. In the last days, many shall turn on one another. They'll betray one another. In the last days, sin will abound, and the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus says, in these last days, people's hearts are going to grow cold. He's telling us these things. It's the same thing the Apostle Paul said. There'll be this great departure from the faith. People will grow cold, Jesus says, in the last days. Their hearts will grow cold. You know, looking back at that verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Other translations of the Bible say, because of the increase in wickedness. Anyone see an increase in wickedness in our nation? Other translations say, because lawlessness will increase. Anyone see an increase in lawlessness in our nation? It's abounding everywhere. Lawlessness and wickedness are abounding. And it seems like they're winning. It seems like they're overcoming. It seems like there's a zillion of them and just a few of us. And Jesus says, because of that, the love of many shall wax cold. People will be offended. People will betray. They'll turn on one another. Ask, ask Pastor Joe after the service. Go up and ask him if anyone has ever thought he was awesome. Great man of God. Preaches the word of God. And then a matter of time goes later. He's a no good bum. Ask him if that's ever happened to him. Because people are offended. It, Jesus says in the context of last days, many shall be offended. Preachers that preach the actual Bible and gospel message are the king of offense. Many will grow cold, Jesus says. This is a warning from Jesus. 
he's telling us that people that love him and that love others, they'll grow cold to him. They'll go cold to others and they will quit. They'll, they'll grow cold. They'll stop loving others. People that once had a drive to, to, to serve the Lord, people that once had a drive to minister to our children, to a drive to minister in our band and our worship and in the local church, they'll grow cold and they'll quit and say, let someone else do it, I'm done. I've been doing it for all these years, and it never benefited me anything. I ain't never seen anything good come out of it. I'm done. People that once had this drive, they will lose their first love. It'll go cold, grow cold. And Jesus says this, that's a warning sign that these last days are imminent. They're, they're upon you. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the abounding wickedness will cause people to say, that's it, I've had enough, I'm done. I'm done with this. How wise these words from Christ are. It's so easy, isn't it, to stop caring about the world? You see the goofy things go on. Oh, they deserve punishment. They deserve to burn. But we can't let our hearts grow cold, brothers and sisters. We can't. We can't become apostates. We can't just fold our arms and stand afar off. Notice that Jesus says the love of many will grow cold. You know what that means? That means a whole bunch of people will grow cold doesn't just mean a hand he didn't he didn't say and a handful of folks he said many many what that means is there's going to be a whole bunch of people that used to be hot for the lord they grow cold they they grow cold they quit caring and they walk away and remember all this is in the context of the beginning of sorrows the apostle paul we read, said there would be a first a falling away from the truth. Jesus here is, is stating that in the last days you'll see many folks turn cold. Their love will go cold, grow cold. And as I put my finger to the pulse of this church this morning, I wonder if it'll happen here. How many people's hearts in here are growing cold as we speak? That this old Bible doesn't mean what it used to mean to you. Or people used to read the Bible and it meant life and death to them. They, they read the Bible crying even with tears flowing down their face because this was a letter from him to me. But now it's just a book. Just some book with a bunch of words in it because you've grown cold. You have let yourself grow cold. The shadow has crept over you ever so slowly. You didn't notice it. Now you've lost it. Your passion. You lost your first love. I just wonder if people in here are falling away. Has it begun to happen here in this church? Has it begun to happen in your heart? Are people's hearts growing cold? I'll admit that our prayer meetings have been pretty solid lately. That lets me know that it's about time to back off. We've had some good prayer meetings lately. Some of our prayer meetings, to me, I told Pastor Joe this, seem like they're 10 minutes long. You know, we, we keep them at usually less than an hour. We watch a little video, and then we pray. If you get into it, you get into the Spirit. It seems like they're about 5 or 10 minutes long. And, and we're, we're gathering in a circle, and we're dismissing. If you enter into it, and you, you war in prayer, it just time goes like that. But if you sit there and just observe it, it's a slow hour. 
And I just wonder, is that happening in our hearts this morning? I mean, after all, it's, it's holiday season. We got parties and gatherings to go to. We got gifts to attend to. We can kind of push this off for now and just enjoy ourselves now. This is a, the Christmas season. We got lots of days off of work and all kinds of uh, gatherings to go to. And that coldness creeps over us like a shadow. This is, this is the latter time. At the beginning of the service, I saw you amen in me when I said we all agree these are the last days, right? Well, will you amen me when I say then there's, there's, there's people that are going to be falling away. We see, it, we see it happen all over the nation, people falling away. Listen to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Start reading in verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Here, here the Apostle Paul is stating again this, this theme that we've been looking at this morning, that there will be folks in the latter times that will depart from the faith. That they will, again, this is a, 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 the Bible alluding to this apostasia. This great turning away, people turning away, pushing in their by laying their weapons down. There will be a defection from the faith. People will turn away. And to describe this defection from the faith, the Apostle Paul describes it as th this will take place in the context of people will no longer want to hear sound doctrine. That's what it's going to look like. You, you look at us here this morning, two or three hundred strong. Go to a church this morning that's preaching a prosperity gospel. There'll be 5,000 strong. Maybe 10,000, maybe 20. In Colosseums even, preaching the words all these people. That, that's, this is, the Apostle Paul is, it's going to look like this. Many will leave the faith in the form of, we don't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. We don't actually want biblical preaching. We want cherry pick preaching. That's what it's going to look like. People will turn away from biblical preaching and they'll find a preacher that says what they want to hear. That's what it's going to look like. Remember, Jesus already told us in this time people will be easily offended. So if you have a, a, a man preaching the Bible, people will be offended. They'll turn away and they'll go find a pastor that's preaching the things that they want to hear. That's what it looks like. Do you see the description in the Bible? He, they, he says this is what it's going to look like. They'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This is exactly what it looks like. They'll be easily offended. They'll find someone that tells them what they want to hear because the last guy offended them. He talked about sin too much. He was offensive. Goodness forbid a preacher preach something sinful that you're into and you get mad about it. Solid biblical preaching will offend people and they'll just turn away and find someone that's saying what they want to hear. Brothers and sisters, that's not what preaching is for. To, to just have someone say something that makes you feel good, that makes you walk away uh, 
believing that everything's fine, there's no problems, you ain't got to worry about anything. That's not what biblical preaching is for. Biblical preaching should be challenging. Biblical preaching should be thought-provoking. Biblical preaching should be compelling. And goodness forbid, dare I say, biblical preaching should be demanding on you. The pastor is not here to say what you want him to say. The pastor's job is to rightly divide the truth. What truth? All the doctrines of the Bible centered in Christ. That truth. The whole counsel of God. That's why you see Pastor Joe. That's why you see myself. We jump around a lot in the Bible. We jump around because we're trying to get the whole counsel. You're not going to come and hear about end times every single week because we're going to preach the whole counsel of God to you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. I encourage you to spend some time in 1 and 2 Timothy. Those books are fantastic. It says this, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This is a, a warning along the same theme that we've been talking about. We found it several places in the Bible. Here the Apostles Paul saying, There will be a time when people will reject sound biblical preaching, sound biblical teaching, sound biblical doctrine. And they'll go find someone that just says what they want to hear. Because their ears will itch. And they'll want the, the, to pastor to, to scratch that itch. Just tell me everything's okay. Tell me I got some fire insurance against hell. Tell me I'm going to heaven and I don't want to really worry about anything else. Tell me that my health is going to be okay. Tell me that I'm going to be blessed. Tell me that I'm going to have a whole bunch of money. That's really all I want, Pastor. Now say that. You will not hear that here. You will not. If I can ask the band to make their way back. Now, New Hope Church, listen to me now. We cannot let this happen to us. We cannot let this happen to us. We see this clear warning emerge from the New Testament telling us that many will fall away in the latter days, which we are in. We're in them. We cannot let it happen to us. Don't let it happen to you, brothers and sisters. Don't let it happen to your family. Don't let it happen to your church family. Don't let it grow cold. Check on your brothers and sisters in the Lord. If you've got a brother that you know he's going through some stuff, shoot him a text. Get him and come to the altar. Pray some things out with him. We're supposed to provoke one another to love and good works. Be cautious, brothers and sisters, that this isn't creeping over you like a shadow and you can't even see it. I like this scripture. I've read it to you several times just in the past month or two. Ephesians 5.15 it says, See then that ye walk circumspectly. Remember, that's a fancy word. just means carefully. See then that ye walk carefully, not as fools, redeeming the time because the days are evil, the Bible says. You've got to be careful the way that you live. You've got to be vigilant. You have to be sober. You have to be on guard. You have to be on, cautious, on caution that this isn't happening to you and you don't even know it. That your heart is growing cold and you haven't even realized it. I pray this morning that you let the Lord Jesus search you. Search your heart. 
Search your ways. We'll close with this scripture. And I want to open these altars this morning. And I pray that we spend some time letting the Lord God search our hearts. That's the funny thing about being deceived. Is if you're deceived, you don't know that you're deceived. So you need an entity greater than you are, an entity higher than you are, to reveal to you that you're deceived, that you're growing cold and you don't even know it. Listen to this. Psalms. Chapter 139, verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, the psalmist says, and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked ways in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Oh, Father God, search our hearts this morning. Search our hearts this morning, Lord God. See if there be any wicked ways found in us, Lord. Lord, if there be any growing cold, any who are laying their weapons down, any who have taken their spiritual armor off, Father God, reveal it to them this morning, Father God. Reveal it to us, Father God. Lord, we cannot grow cold. This church cannot grow cold, Father God. We cannot, Lord God. If we grow cold, we'll be deceived, Lord. And the son of perdition will come and he'll overcome us, Lord. Don't let this church grow cold. Stir our hearts this morning, Father God, we pray. Stir us, Lord Jesus. Church, these altars are open as we worship. Come and let God search you and know your heart. Amen.